And welcome back to another edition of the On The Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee On The Mic. Hope everybody had a good weekend. Happy Monday to all. As always, joined by my main man, my co-host, William Chirucci, a.k.a. Rosie, who was east of me. Well, hope you had a good weekend, pal. How you doing, man? Hanging in, can't complain. You know, Monday, so it's a day after Sunday. But again, every day feels like a Sunday at this point in time. Guys, guys, start putting that on a shirt. But, Sean... Enough about me. How are you making out? Well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Our weekend was good. But, well, baseball is back, and we have a very special guest on to talk about baseball. Why don't you bring him in, though? Absolutely. And he's a veteran of this show now, too. Joining us all the way from California is the one and only Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. Danny, thank you for coming on again. We really appreciate you sacrificing some time with us. And the last episode, it was me and you, but now it's the three of us. It's Sean, myself, and I. And we talked about the MLB back, I don't know, March or February. And now it's going to be July. But the main thing is, how are you? Baseball, like you said it, baseball season's here. Um, pending something crazy, which could happen with the virus. Fingers crossed nothing of that happens. But baseball season's right. here. It starts Wednesday. I- I'm fired up, man. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how, are you making out, how are you making out through this whole COVID-19 pandemic right now? Look, personally, I have nothing to complain about. My family is safe. Um, I have a job intact, and my company has treated me really well throughout this entire process. Um, all my friends are safe. You know, in regards to just health and just well-being, I have nothing to complain about. I, I've been really lucky and blessed to not have to deal with a lot of the complications that a lot of other people have had to deal with over this past, uh, you know, six-plus months. We're going on a while now. So, um, you know, I, I definitely have nothing, nothing to complain about on my end. We all miss sports, um, but that's definitely um, low on the totem pole in regards to what's going on and the issues at hand there's been social issues going on there's been um, a pandemic going on so there's a lot been going on it's it's tested us as a company to produce good content for everyone but at the same time I think it's actually helped us in a way be more creative and uh, I don't want to say I'm happy it happened but it has helped us in a way well said Danny well said before we talk about the game on the field Danny Remind everyone and tell me, because this is our uh, first, first time uh, speaking, pal. How did everything start up for you in terms of covering the game and your love for the game? How did all of that uh, start, pal? Yeah, so for me, I grew up with three older brothers, so I kind of grew up at the ball field, grew up at the football field, um, grew up at the basketball court. So, uh, you know, that's really where I got my start, where I got my love of the game, was just playing, looking up to my brothers playing. Um, and then I went on to play college baseball at a couple of different schools, the University of San Francisco, and then transferred over to an AI school out in Northern California, William Jessup University. Uh, found a lot of success there my last year. And at the same time, I was working part-time for Max Preps. And Max Preps is the source for high school sports. And if anybody doesn't know, they're actually owned by CBS Sports. And so I just kind of worked my way up and uh, found a job here, found a job there. And, um, you know, applied here, applied there, and eventually found myself here. And now I'm dipping into both pools, doing social media for the actual CBS Sports social accounts and also writing for the MLB team. 
Well said right there, Danny, absolutely well said. Speaking of right now, let's talk about right now. When we had you on last show, we talked about an MLB preview coming up for March. Uh, obviously with the whole COVID-19 pandemic happening, it got pushed back. And we found out a couple weeks ago that baseball will be coming back July 23rd. And from the main reports that we've been seeing right now, they haven't dropped the schedule yet. But the one thing that's a big constant here is Garrett Cole going up against uh, Max Scherzer. And it's going to be one thing to see down in D.C. because the fact that they're getting their rings, because it's Yankees and World Series champions. Just talk to us about, you know, what not what not having baseball is for you and, you know, just seeing everything going on with the whole strike with the whole uh, contract negotiations going on. It, it's funny because everybody seems to be so fired up about Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole, like you mentioned. And it seems like a lot of these same people complain that the game is boring and isn't entertaining, yet they're saying they're excited about what's likely to be a 1-0 ball game because those are two lights-out pitchers. It's just kind of funny, the two sides. Um, I'm pumped up about it because, personally, I was a pitcher in college, and so I love and appreciate a good pitching matchup. Um, at the same time, it's going to be a different season. There's going to be players that aren't – Ryan Zimmerman announced this morning that he's not retiring, but he's not going to be playing in the 2020 season due to COVID. Um, so – and Mike Leake announced that same thing. So there's different players that you're going to see – trickle in here that won't be playing, which will definitely have an impact on standings, on production. Um, I'm personally fired up about uh, just this, the modified condensed season because we're going to be two weeks into this thing and you're going to have teams say, we're out of it. Or you're going to have teams, a lot of teams say, look, we're still into it. So you could have a situation where you have 20 plus teams that are buying before that August 31st trade deadline. Um, so it's going to be modified, but I think it's going to be really fun. And we have these new rules that are being implemented. I, I like the rules because it's not changing the game. A lot of people were upset about this new extra innings rule where you're having a runner out on second base to start extra innings. I personally like the rule. I personally think the whole reason we're in this situation is because of health. And if you're throwing guys out there, there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. It's going to be 60 games in 66 days. So you're going to have games basically every single day you're only going to get about six days off so if you're having to play let's say a game goes 15 16 17 innings you're going to have issues in that bullpen you're going to have issues just arm fatigue and so personally like I said we're in this situation because of health I don't want to put more pitchers at risk health wise I know it's not COVID health but we're talking about arm health here Um, I personally like the rule I like the universal DH and I think it'll be uh, a fun time and a good little trial period here for Major League Baseball. Well said there. Uh, out of the 60 games, is can you tell me in your mind one team, two team, three teams, who you think not playing the full 162 games, that they're playing only 60 games? Because as we know, some teams start out red hot every single year. Some teams like my Mets, start out slow every single year. Is there like a team or two or three that you think, hey, look, this team for the first 60 games can really will put themselves in a place where they could win? Yeah, I think we're going to have some funky 
situations. I think we're going to have some funky looking standings after the first month of the season. That's for sure. I don't know if there's any team that I can predict is going to have a hot start because those things seem to be very um, at random at times. We saw the Mariners last year get off to a hot start. They started, I want to say, was 13-2 and two or something crazy like that. So, And they ended up finishing last in their division. So you see some weird situations like that. I will say I'm a little um, concerned with – you mentioned the Mets, the Mets and the Oakland A's. Those are two teams that typically it takes them about two months into the season to find who – is really going to step up for the team, what their batting order is going to look like on a day-to-day basis. Those are two teams that um, I don't want to say for whatever reason, because I would say 10 years ago, we could have said for whatever reason, but um, it's been so consistent over the past decade. Now we know how these teams operate. And for the Oakland A's, for example, it takes them a couple months to find a hot hand in that minor league system and maybe bring them up as a platoon guy. For example, Seth Brown last year, he's an NEIA kid. He wasn't a high draft pick, but he found a really hot bat last year in AAA. They brought him up midseason, and he was uh, a key piece in their playoff push. So teams like the Mets, teams like the A's that may have a, um, a stick, if you will, of just getting off to a slow start, I'm a little concerned about. I think younger teams that have the talent but not the experience – they're going to be dangerous because it's a sprint as opposed to a marathon. And so a team like the White Sox, um, a team like the Tampa Bay Rays, maybe the San Diego Padres, those are teams right there that I think have the talent to really surprise some people this year. Do they have the experience? No, but it's such a quick burst this year in regards to what the season duration is that they might not be able to have enough time to think about where they actually are. Last year, the Padres were right into the playoff race midway through the season. Fernando Tatis Jr. got hurt. Um, some other things kind of, you know, Chris Paddock got hurt as well. Some other things just kind of fell off the table. Machado never really found his groove. But that was halfway through the season. That was 80 games in the season. We're only 60 games this season. So, um, you know, to your guys' point, it could be some weird things happening. Standings might look a little funky. Um, I still think you're going to have your top teams up there between the Yankees the Dodgers, they still have plenty of talent. They'll still be up there. But you could see some bottom feeder teams make a run. Talk to us about the rule changes here, specifically in the National League, with the National League now inheriting the DH for this season, it looks like. Uh, just talk to us about that specific rule change because you're a pitcher. You know, you played pitcher in college, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, just talk to us about what that means for the NL now. I think it's a great rule personally because there's nothing that drives me crazy um, than a second and third situation, two outs, eight hitters coming up and it's an automatic ball for it so that they can get to the pitcher. Um, and then it's a rally killer. It's an entertainment killer. I think it personally hurts the game. And so I love the universal DH. I've always been for it. I'm a, I'm a humble pitcher knowing that I can't hit. And I know that majority of my pitching colleagues, if you will, cannot hit. Um, I think those moments of Bartolo Colon hitting a homer in San Diego was fun, but those moments are very, very few and far between. Um, I think it's going to test some teams, maybe not test, but it's going to be a real struggle for some teams, particularly the Marlins and the Rockies. Both those teams really struggled as in their designated hitter roles last season. Um, they had 10 games each. National League teams played 10 games in the American League ballparks last year. The Marlins. 
and the Rockies both did as well. The Rockies hit around 150 batting average-wise. The Marlins did as well. The Rockies did not hit one home run. They did not have a designated hitter hit one home run. They did not have a designated hitter drive in one single run last year. And that's in 10 games. And in the Marlins, they batted 154, the designated hitters did last year. They did hit one home run and had four RBIs, but they were not getting on base. Um, they were not having any type of production. So there's going to be teams that are now thrust into this predicament where they're being asked to fill it from within the organization, and they're not built for that yet. And typically, you give teams like this an entire offseason – if you're going to implement a universal DH, you want to give National League teams an entire offseason to kind of build a plan, look at the free agent market, look at the free agent pools, so that they can then strategize how they want to fill their lineup. It's a weird season. It's weird rules that are just kind of being brought upon them now, and now they're going to have to find a way to fill those voids within two weeks, three weeks before the season starts here coming up in July. Speaking of the DH, I saw you tweet out the other day, and I agree with you, so I have to ask you this. Now 30 teams are going to have the DH, and somehow, for some reason, now CL Puig is not on any team. Why do you think that is? I know that on the field he could play, but he gets kind of, you know, wacky sometimes. But why do you think, you know, he isn't on a team when it's obvious that he could help a team, especially given this new rule? To your point, he's very polarizing and in a very polarizing time right now. Um, I say polarizing, I'm not sure that's quite the right term, but it's a very strange time in baseball and in sports right now. I don't, they're having so much to deal with, the players and the organizations. There's new rule changes. There are new players being thrust onto rosters that wouldn't otherwise be there. Um, this it's uncharted territory and to bring a guy like Yasiel Puig onto a roster who as you mentioned is very erratic at times he's very talented he's got one of the strongest arms out in the outfield in the entire league he's got a lot of power still left in that bat he's shown that he could produce had 84 RBIs last season at the same time what team is going to take a chance on him I think it, he will sign with the team I'd be shocked if a team does, uh, doesn't sign him before opening day comes up here in July, a team like the Giants, I mentioned the Rockies and Marlins, teams that are not capable or at least didn't show they were capable of filling the role through within their own organization last year, they're going to have to look externally to fill that role or else you could see designated hitters this year. Like I said, the Marlins hit 154 this last year. So if they don't look externally, if they don't look and take a chance on a guy like Yasiel Puig. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're going to take Yasiel Puig, the guy that hits 250 with 20 home runs in 162-game season, 20 home runs, he'd rather have that even with all of the baggage that comes with him than a guy that hits 154 for an entire season. So personally, you know, I talked with David Sampson, one of my colleagues at CBS Sports. He used to be the general manager of the Miami Marlins. He was not – um, in favor of signing Yasiel Puig. And he's an ex-general manager. He has a lot of experience in that role. So I think part of it is just the stigma that comes from Yasiel Puig, his personality. Unfortunately, um, it was really exciting at first. It's kind of like a baby or a new puppy at first. It's really, really fun. You really take him on walks all the time. You, you know, you want to take him out, you want to show him off. And then after a while, 
you just kind of want some um, some calm, some peacefulness among your among your team, especially at a time like this. Andy, when you look at this 60-game schedule right now, one of the things that really blurts out is every team is basically in it. Every team is basically in it. And one particular division, the AL West, it really kind of opens my eyes here a little bit because everybody wants to talk about the Astros being the favorite and what had happened during the offseason. But there's still some good quality teams. You mentioned that the Mariners went 13-2 and last year to start off the year. They could go out and probably do the same thing. Anything can happen. The Angels, they got Joe Madden now. Mike Trout, Pujols, you bring in, you know, a guy like Madden. Who knows what could happen? One of the more cerebral managers in the game. The A's, we know what the A's can do. And the Rangers also had an unbelievable offseason by adding Corey Kluber to their uh, pitching rotation, going into a new stadium as well, right across the street. Uh, just talk to us about the AL West here. Yeah, so I think it'll be a little different, that's for sure, just because it's not just going to be the AL West, it's just going to be the West itself. And right. so I think a team like uh, the Angels, the Mariners, um, all those AL West clubs, they're going to now have to face the Dodgers. NL West was very competitive last year. Um, there's a misconception that the NL West is sometimes less talented at times than a lot of the other divisions. I don't think so at all. I think they just kind of beat up on one another. Um, the Rockies finished, I believe it was, they finished last last year in the division. If, if it wasn't the Rockies, it was the Padres. But they were mm -hmm. rather competitive. If you actually watch the games, um, they have a lot of talent between Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. They have a lot of weapons on their team. And so teams like the Rockies and Padres, they might not look great on paper in regards to what they are in the standings, but they're talented teams. And so teams like the Angels and Mariners, who um, and the Rangers, like you mentioned, they're close, um, maybe not the Mariners, but the Angels and the Rangers are close to making that next step. The Angels did a nice job adding Julio Terran, which I thought was a really good veteran pickup to help man their staff. They need some guys that are going to pitch deep in the games. I think the, a team like the Angels could find that spark because they have enough offense and they weren't reliant upon their starting pitching to get them through 162 game season. 162 games does not fare well for a team like the Angels because their starting pitchers are not deep game pitchers. And so to ask that much out of a starting staff who is not used to throwing that many innings, who is not used to providing that much production over a long duration of a season, you could see the Angels find a spark. And if they can find some lightnings in a bottle, if you will, in their bullpen, that could really help solidify things. And so I'm looking at a team like the Angels and I'm a little biased just because I want to see Mike Trout in the playoffs um, for a change, which would be really nice and great for baseball too. So, but Danny, my question for you is the since the Cubs won the World uh, Series, I thought this could be the the start of two, three, four, maybe five, like because they had such a young core. The past couple uh, seasons, I think they've they haven't met the expectations that everybody had for them. And now, like Will said, Joe um, Madden's gone and David Ross is in. Give me your take on the state of the Cubs because I think if they don't win this year, they may decide to move around some guys, trade some guys, break up the whole thing. I think this is their last year with their core to win. What do you say? I don't want to say they were going to break it up because Theo Epstein, if you look at his past history when he was back with Boston, 
they would win a World Series and they'd have a couple, you know, maybe not as great years afterwards. He wouldn't, um, the, the, what's the term, rebuild. Um, he wouldn't necessarily rebuild. And so I don't expect the Cubs to do a complete rebuild. They still have a decent farm system. They have some guys coming up. Um, they're aging, though. So I think John Lester is a guy that was really, I don't want to say underestimated, but a lot of guys are expecting things out of him that maybe he's not capable of anymore. Um, he's not really capable of providing the 200-plus innings every year and, and getting that ERA down under under three or what he normally has been over his career. So a guy like John Lester, um, Kyle Hendricks is still uh, has plenty of innings left in his arm, good innings. But there's guys that are getting older on their roster. Addison Russell is no longer in the picture. He's now playing over overseas. And so they're going to have to um, you know, fill in somewhere in the infield. They have Javi Baez at short, but they're going to have to fill in that second base Boyd that was left in the middle of their infield. Anthony Rizzo, still a productive guy, but he's getting older as well. So uh, I just think as a team, everybody thinks that after, myself included, after someone wins a World Series, you think, well, who's going to beat them next year? Who's going to beat them the next three years? Stuff kind of happens with contracts. Stuff happens with injuries, age. Um, I I don't think it's, um, you know, unfair to say that they're going to break it up after this year, especially with Chris Bryant looking to come off the books. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think there's going to be any type of rebuild in Chicago. They're too, um, you know, they're very well-run organization. I don't, they're not a team like the Orioles that are just going to try and do it through the draft. They can get for agents. They can attract for agents because they're a historical franchise. They're relatively competitive every single season. So. You mentioned my partner talked about the North Siders. Let's talk about the South Siders here for a second. And you mentioned that they're going to be a surprise team for a lot of people. I do think so too, with everything that they've gone through with Lucas Giolito, you know, getting Dallas Keuchel being there. And they have a young lineup there with Rick Renteria, who was passed up by the Cubs to get Joe Madden at that point in time. So let's talk about the White Sox here. What do you see them doing this year? I know that they're going to be a surprise in both of our eyes, but for the people out there that are listening, why do you think that the White Sox are going to be a surprise? They have so much young talent and they have no idea what they're capable of. I don't think anybody has any idea what they're capable of yet. The signing of Yasmani Grandal is huge to, uh, he, he had the second best framing numbers in the league last year behind Dish. He's going to be great for that staff. Um, like you mentioned, Dallas Keuchel, he's your veteran arm that you need to help a guy like Lucas Giolito, um, you know, continue on the right path. Michael Kopech is a guy that people don't talk enough about. I think he's an ace in the making and an absolute star in the making. He had Tommy John surgery and he kind of fell off the map for about a year, year and a half. And people just kind of forgot about him. He has electric stuff, averages 98 miles per hour on his fastball, hits triple digits um, very consistently as a starter. I don't know if, um, I don't want to say they're going to be World Series contenders because like I said, I don't know what they're capable of. Luis Robert is going to be an absolute stud. I don't know if he's going to break out this year. Most rookies don't exactly break out their first year, but it's certainly possible. Elo Jimenez was one of the best hitters in the second half last year hit 300 plus second after the all-star break last season. Once he became healthy, um, he ended up finishing with 30 home runs. So they have so much veteran leadership mixed in with their young studs. They're definitely, um, they're not only strong, 
but they're dangerous because they're, they don't know how dangerous they can be. And sometimes that can be a good thing, especially in 60 game season they don't need to baby step it right now. You're just kind of thrust in the middle of the thing. And right now it's just going to be a battle of talents. And if we're just talking about talents, I think the white Sox certainly have some of the best talent in that central region. Most of there, Danny, Danny, I can't let you go without asking you about my New York Mets. I'm a long suffering fan of that team. Um, and just when my I, regards, my regards, my <laughs> uh, thank you, pal. And just when I think, okay, the buzz is here and we're going to have a great year, Syndergaard goes and gets Tommy John. I'm like, of course he does. Just when we're going to be good, our key guy gets hurt. What's your take on the 2020 Mets? Syndergaard is out. It looks like, um, uh, Stroman is going to be thrust into, uh, the number two spot. What's your take on the 2020 Mets, pal? It's funny you mentioned Syndergaard. It's actually sad that you mentioned Syndergaard because if we were talking about the most dangerous teams in a 60-game season, I know I mentioned they get off the slow starts, but it almost seems like this is the type of season where the Mets would just randomly dominate and just everything would kind of click because that's just kind of how the Mets are. Um, they do typically get off the slow starts, as we talked about. But at the same time, in a 60-game season – um, it doesn't give them enough time to get injured, if you will. And they've had so many injury concerns over the past five-plus years. Um, and if they're expected to make an announcement on Yohan Cespedes, whether he's going to be healthy going into the season, which would be electric, and he's just a walking entertainment machine, which I would love to see him back on the diamond. So um, anything can happen. I don't want to say anybody's a World Series contender. They're not a World Series contender because I think everybody, like you said, everybody's in the picture, everybody's in the running. Um, I, it does really hurt that Noah Syndergaard is going to be uh, on the shelf this year. Um, he's one of, in my opinion, one of the more underrated pitchers in this game. Um, people don't, people take him for granted, in my opinion, in New York a little bit, and they're trying to trade him away, which I think he's really one of the best arms in this game. So it's tough to see. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that works really hard, so it's really tough to not see him out there. But, you know, the Mets have tons of talent. Um, if they can find a way to propel some of their younger guys, like Ahmed Rosario at shortstop and, you know, find some ways to get some of their, their role players to step up a little bit. If Michael Conforto can take another step in his development, um, it would certainly help things. Danny, my question for you here is the Yankees right now. You talked about Sean with his Mets. I'm a Yankee fan. I think the Yankees regress here this year a little bit during the 60-game season because of with everything going on, you got the bullpen stuff going on with them as well, even though they do have one of the best bullpens on paper. But paper championships don't win you anything. And you look at teams like the Rays in that division, who had the best ERA last year, and they were one game away from beating the Astros. You know, what do you see the Yankees doing uh, in this 60-game season? I actually disagree with you because they're going to be healthy. Um, they were – two games away last year um, from the world series right. um, and they weren't healthy. They, they didn't, you know, James Paxton was pulled after a few innings, which I thought he should have been left in there. Um, you know, he had a super tight leash last year, this year he had surgery and now he's going to be healthy. He's expected to be healthy come opening day. Aaron judge was injured too. And he was still hitting homers, but he wasn't hundred percent. Now he's going to be expected to be hundred percent come opening day. Right. Um, the list goes on. Their injuries last year really – they led the, the league last year in injuries. 
actually set a record for most guys on the, on the IL. Um, and to me, I just think for a team that talented and to have all their guys coming back healthy, um, I, I think the expectations are right where they should be. I don't think it's, um, like I said, I don't want to make anybody World Series contenders or anything yet because so many weird things could happen. But I think the Yankees are going to be right there because we talked about talent. My goodness, they are absolutely stacked from their bullpen to their lineup. They do not have any holes, and they have a lot of depth, too, which could be really uh, instrumental in this season. Well said, Danny. Danny, my final question uh, for you, pal, is we know the MLB and the MLBPA, they've been butting heads, they've been fighting, they've been fighting, Manfred and Tony Clark going back and forth. In your mind, how how do you think this situation is going to end, or what do you think it's going to take for there to be peace and for the two sides to strike a deal because it seems like once this uh, season is done, they're going to go back to fighting and they're going to go back to, you know what I'm saying, um, uh, budding, uh, uh, f- uh, f- fighting and stuff. So what's your take on how the MLB and the MLBPA can finally resolve the issues that they have to have extended peace? That's a good question. and. I don't know if I quite have an answer other than they're going to have to find a way to find a medium, a median, excuse me. They were, the owners were so far left and the players were so far right. And all of us expected both sides to start inching closer. The owners did a little bit and then the players did a little bit, but it wasn't quite enough. And so with the CBA coming up next year, they're going to be thrust right back into that room together. And they're going to have to get on the same page. And I know this isn't a great answer for your question just because I don't know how to answer it because I don't know how to get teams or excuse me, a group that's so far left and another group that's so far right. I don't know how to put them on on a medium, Um, but they're going to have to find a way to relate to one another. They're going to have to find a way to step into each other's shoes and see things from a different perspective because that, that was the problem in these negotiations. They weren't seeing each other's side. I think social media sometimes gets a bad rap because of all the trolls and there's a lot of uh, bad things on the internet. But I think public pressure was a good thing in these negotiations. And it's going to be a factor next year in the CBA as well. Because if you think the owners and the players aren't reading all these you know, uprisings, if you will, on social media, you're wrong. They're, they're seeing the messages put out there and it's a real thing. Danny, my final question for you here is we're, we're in October right now. Picture yourself in October right now. Who out of all the 30 teams are going to be left standing for the 2020 World Series? Yeah, you know, predictions are so tough because if I say something really bold, like if I say the Mariners and the, and the Pirates are going to be in the World Series, then everybody looks at me and they laugh at me, and, and they're prob- I'm probably wrong. If I say the Yankees and um, the Dodgers, then I'm not bold enough. Nobody cares. So uh, predictions are always tough. I, I really – I don't want to say – I don't want to put an individual team out there. I will say the Yankees are going to be incredibly dangerous this year. I think okay. people are writing off the Astros a little too quickly. I think the Astros, I know oh, they are going through a lot. I know um, people are going to be rooting against them, essentially. Everybody, even some of their own fans, will be rooting against them this year. Um but I think they still have a lot of talent. And like I said, I think a, a team that has a lot of talent, uh, a team like the Padres, the White Sox, or even the Rays, or in the Oakland A's as well, they have a lot of young talent. 
um, they could find themselves right in the thick of things and they could finally click somewhere here. So um, I don't want to name any certain team just because I think so much um, oddness and, and weirdness can go on over here um, or over in this season. But I think the Yankees are certainly going to be right up there near the top. Danny, I was hoping you would say the Mets. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. And you didn't say it. I said, I said, this is this. It it could be that weird season where the Mets finally gel. You never know, man. No, you're right, pal. You're right, pal. Uh, Danny, man, thank you for taking some time. Before you go, how do the people follow you and everything you do on social media? Yeah, so you can find all my latest pieces on CBSSports.com, and you can also find I'll I'll be posting all my links and sharing whatever uh, valued opinions, if you will, on my uh, Twitter at Danny Vietti. All right. Well said. Daddy, thanks again for making some time. Continue to stay safe. Thank you. Continue to be safe and enjoy the season that's coming up. Baseball is back, pal. Thank you so, so much, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. I had a good time. Thank you. Welcome back on anytime. Thank you, Dan. Well, that was the one and only Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. Well, a lot of great baseball talk there. I was hoping he would say the Mets will, but... As always, the Mets, nobody thinks we're going to win. Well, damn it. (laughs) You know what? I had the question popped up during the whole when he was talking about who's going to be in it in October. Kind of forgot to ask him this question with regards to the uh, Dodgers, if if they're going to keep on going on with this team or not, because there's been a lot of, you know, stories saying that if they don't go out there and win, you know, they might blow this team up. So who knows what might happen here, but hey, Mookie Betts is over there and we'll see what happens. But again, I watching just to get to the Yankees here, I know they're talented. I know they're talented 100%, but in a 60 game season in which in past years, this team has started off slow. And I know that it's because of the cold weather and everything like that. Now we're in July, but it's unique. And because something unique can happen here, uh, you know, you're only going to have 60 games and you're going to have 10 games against your division rival and then four games going up against, uh, you know, the the NL East. So it, it's tough. It's going to be definitely crazy. But outside of that, I really have no final thoughts here. Just a great episode with Danny again. You know, just a real great episode with Danny. Well, before we go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with him on this point and disagree with you, not only from, well, actually, no, I'm going, sorry, I'm going to agree with you (laughs) on this point. The reason why I agree is because I think people are, like you said, the 60 games, well, I think Boston takes uh, several steps down. And I think Toronto's coming, but they're not there yet. Right. I think Baltimore, again, they're still going to be, you know, like they're still two, three, maybe even four years away. So I think the I think the Yankees' only challenge is going to be uh, Tampa Bay. So I do think that the Yankees are going to get the majority of their wins against Toronto, against Boston, and against uh, Baltimore. The issue is, well, what you just said, the NL East is very tough. It's the tough. Mets are going to be uh, com- uh, competitive. The Phillies are going to be good. The Braves, yeah. the Braves are back. The Braves are yeah. going to be good. And then... Oh, by the way, you got the World Series champions, <laughs> the Washington that nobody's talking about. Nationals that nobody's talking about, and you have to think that even the Miami Marlins—that's right—take another step. So 
I think that if the Yankees were playing the NL Central or the NL West, they would get more wins. But the NL East is going to be really, really tough. So I think, well, I agree with you that they're going to regress in the amount of quote-unquote wins they have amongst the 60 games. But I think once comes the playoff time and you have uh, Tanaka and Paxton and so on and so forth. And obviously, they still got a hit. They still got a hit. And those guys are healthy. Judge is – well, Judge gets hurt, but as of now, he's healthy. Stanton it's, it's, is healthy. Right. Um, uh, Glaber is healthy. Talkman is healthy. So on and so forth. So, And, well, you want to know a player that nobody is talking about? Aaron Hicks. <laughs> I haven't heard Aaron Hicks' name maybe like this year. <laughs> yeah. And Aaron Hicks, when he is right, he's a dangerous guy hitting from the left side, right side as well, so. I just, I'll just say this, though, too, with, with the Yankees. I mean, people keep on talking about their bullpen being great, you know, still having Chapman there, still having uh, Britain there as well. And, you know, they've been through a lot, obviously, with the group. And they've had, they went out and they signed a guy like Adam Ottavino last year. But realistically now with the, you know, with the three batter minimum now in place, that's also going to be huge in a sense where you can't switch up now righty versus lefty for a batter. This is absolutely going to be huge. Now you're going to have that guy in there. And then when you have a guy like, you know, you're going to have your starters out there going out four or five, you know, five innings, six innings. Is there going to be an innings limit still? Is there going to be something that's going to happen here? Is it going to be abbreviated? at this point in time. That's the one thing as a Yankee fan that concerns me. It's just all these little things that come up into it. Yeah, you can bring up names and everything like that, but uh, is the book still going to be in play? Are they going to go with numbers here? Are they going to go do this and all that stuff? So it just makes you wonder. And not only that too, are they going to be playing at the home stadiums here? Are they going to be playing at City Field, Yankee Stadium? That has a lot to do with it as well. Everything factors in. Everything does uh, factor in, Will, so we shall see there. Will, any final thoughts, pal? Um, you know, no, no final thoughts here. Just a shout-out to Danny Vietti again for coming on. He's a veteran now. It's his second time on the show, and, you know, it's been awesome to have him on, to say the very least, just to talk baseball with him and, you know, just shout-out to him. Yeah, well, I don't have any final thoughts. Just shout out to Danny um, as well for coming on. And so for my co-host, William Cherucci, a.k.a. Will C, and for our featured guest from CBS Sports, Danny Vietti. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean on the mic, following the board sports. Continue to be safe. Continue to stay safe. We love you all. Peace out.